Well, good morning, everybody. Please pardon me while I get my stuff situated here. Word of 2024. My word um, is endure. Last year, my word was communicate, um, and I'm glad we're done with that. Endure is going to be much better. Because <laughs> according to my wife, I was the worst communicator ever. But Micah disagrees, but, you know. No, but my word for this year <laughs> is endure. Um, and this word came to me um, in late August of last year, 2023. Um, and as 2024 rolled up on us, and Pastor Micah asked me to share my word, all of a sudden I had a senior moment and I could not remember my word. And I said, Micah, I have a word, but I can't remember it. And he said to me, we have four weeks to get it straight. So um, <laughs> thankfully it wasn't that hard. Um, although I certainly did have a, a, man, a moment of panic there for a brief second when I couldn't remember it because it was such a, an important word. It, when I got it, I was like, oh, wow, yes, Lord. Um, and then I just flatlined when, when he said, you're going to share your word on the 21st. So, <laughs> But thankfully, the Lord brought it back and then some, as you're going to see here coming up. Um, and as I said, the word I received was endure. And the scripture that came to mind is 1 Peter 2, 18 through 21. Please get that in your Bible and also get 2 Timothy 2. We're going to read 1 through 14, or you can follow along on the screen. We're going to start in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 18. It says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin, you're beaten for it? You endure. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, just a few books over to the left there, or on the screen, it's easier. Starting in verse 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrusted to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trust, trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. 
If we endure, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things and charge not them or charge them before God to not to quarrel about words which does no good but only ruins the hearers. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord God, it is living. Lord, your word speaks to us. Your word grows us. Your word changes us. Your word challenges us, Lord. Lord God, when you speak, Lord, when you speak, it is not only good, Lord, but it is life. Lord, you, your word tells us that your words, Lord, are life and health, Lord, and strength to all of our flesh and our spirit and our soul, giving us a sound mind, God. We ask you, Lord, today, speak. Speak to us from your word, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds, Lord God. Separate our souls from our spirits and let us see your truth, Lord. Change us, Lord, by your word, Father. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. In First um, Peter 2, verse 19, when I received my word in August of last year, it says, For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. That was the scripture that came to my mind as, as soon as I received it last uh, year. Um, and it was such a major ouch moment for me. And I'm going to share some things that, that are very personal and make me very vulnerable. But I pray that God speaks to you through them um, for the sake of Christ. That's why I'm sharing them with you, because uh, as we can see in the Bible, everybody's life was an example. So I'm no different. God uses my life as an example, too, to not only teach me, but hopefully to help somebody else as well. Um, when I received this word, it was a major ouch, and it still is. It's still very touchy for me. Um, because the lesson that I learned how I got this word was from my last four jobs that I had. I left each one of those jobs because I felt that I was treated wrongly at each one. My first job, I was there for a long time. I was there for almost 10 years, but... When my father passed away, the day I came back to work, I was written up for excessive absences. Even though we had bereavement leave, we had PTO, we had all that. I was written up by my new, by my new manager for excessive absences. And then later on that year, uh, my daughter's school, La Villa, had a bomb threat, and I left work to go help them evacuate to the Prime Osborne Center. And I was written up for leaving work without permission even though it was the lunch hour. In my mind, I thought to myself, well, if you're going to treat me like that, well, fooey on you. And I didn't do my best work until eventually they let me go. <clears throat> I was fine that they let me go, by the way. Um, because in my mind, I was like, yeah, well, forget you. I don't need you if you're going to treat me like that. That was my attitude. It, was much, it wasn't much long afterwards that I got another job. And that job was going great. It was an easy one. Um, I was there. It was about the third year that out of nowhere, the CEO started harassing me out of nowhere to the point where it was really stressing me out. 
I finally had enough of the CEO speaking to me the way she was. And I told the CEO, you can either apologize to me or accept my resignation. Guess which one she picked. <laughs> but I gladly turned in my resignation. Um, because it, it was just, it, it wasn't uh, in my mind, it wasn't uh, right for her to speak to me that way. The third job I really loved. I really loved being there. I was proud to work there. I enjoyed, I was being stretched in my career, growing, having new responsibilities. Um, I was at my desk one day feeling pretty good and pretty proud about the things I had accomplished, the responsibilities I had taken on, completing a big project, um, fixing things, closing out the work orders, tickets. Um, and then out of the blue, I get an email from our new supervisor stating that he's not sure what I've been working on and wants me to fill out a spreadsheet every day documenting the time that I start a task, the time I complete a task, including if I go to the restroom, what time I left my desk and what time I got back. And I was like, what? Because we have weekly meetings with the supervisor to talk about what we're working on, what we're doing. It's not like he didn't know what we were working on. <clears throat> and you can't just sit there and not say anything in those meetings because they go around the table. Each one has to speak. What are you working on? What are your challenges? What are you going to try to accomplish this week? You know, it was a, it was a weekly meeting. Um, and even though despite that, I would ask the supervisor repeatedly for clarification on what and why suddenly I was get, being treated this way and how long I was going to have to continue this egregious task, only to get the response do it until I feel it's unnecessary to do it any longer. Okay. I did that for a couple of months. And the whole time I felt totally wrongly treated, singled out. Um, wasn't right, but, but I, I held out for a couple of months until eventually I got sick of that and I started looking for another job. And I got another job. I got a higher paying job. It was great hours, laid back, it was cake. So I thought. My second year at the new job, things started to shift. As a software developer and being in the IT department, the VP liked to play with code. And he liked to play in code, not using the development environment, but he would play with code in production environment and he would break production programs where then people couldn't do their job or systems wouldn't function. And guess who had to fix those programs when they would break? Hi. So, a um, little background about programming and development is, uh, and those of you who are in the men's discipleship group, you're, you're probably sick of this word, source control, because you heard about it <laughs> a lot. <laughs> that in programming, there's, a, there's an industry standard where you have what's called source control, where you, when you're going to make a change, you check the code out. You make the change, you check it back in. That way, if there's a problem with it, you can roll back to a previous version very easily, something that Vistar should have thought of before they rolled out their new website a couple years ago. Um, but that's the purpose of source control, so that if something breaks, if something's broken and you roll it out in production, you can roll back real easily with what's in the database source control. 
Well, the VP didn't like that at my last job, and that was an extra step that he didn't want to take. So I became a thorn in the flesh to them about source control, and they fired me. That's why, as of recently, you see on my social media me posting a lot of photography, because that's what I'm doing now. But that was last August that I lost that last job, and that's when I got this word, endure. And that's how I got this word, endure. I'm going to blow your ever-loving Baptist minds today with one slide, just one. But don't think you're getting out early because uh, Brother Curtis took up most of the time with the prayer, so I've got to go a little bit extra. I told you I was going to throw you under the bus. <laughs> but don't think you're getting out early just because we had one slide. That slide is, I want you, if you remember anything today, I want you to remember this, that enduring is necessary for preparation. In 2 Timothy 2, verses 3 through 7 that we read just a second ago, it says, share in suffering as a good soldier in Christ. In the King James, it actually says, endure hardship as a good soldier. What does that, what does that imply? That implies, and, and, and let me just ask this question here. Who in here is in the army of God? That's right. If you have declared Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been enlisted into the army of Christ. And the word of God, Paul's sharing to Timothy here, he says, Share in the suffering as a good soldier in Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, but his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Who enlisted us as soldiers in Christ? Jesus, in case you're wondering. And then Paul explains, he says, an athlete's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's the hardworking farmer, he gives another example, who ought to have the first share of the crops. And then he tells Timothy, think about what I'm saying to you here. Think about what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you understanding. He's, he gives Timothy these examples, and he tells Timothy, listen, you're going to go through hardships. There's going to be suffering. It's not always going to be easy. It's going to get hard. He said, don't worry, about, don't worry about the things, the affairs of the world. In other words, where he says here, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. But just concentrate on the one who enlisted you, Timothy, Jesus. He gives the example, an athlete's not crowned. There's rules, there's, there's things, there's principles. Just like there's standards in software development where you have a development environment, you have source control, my favorite word. There's training when it comes to anything. In that training, it's sometimes hard. It's sometimes suffering to go through training. But the hard work will pay off, like Paul gives Timothy the example here. The hardworking farmer ought to have the first share of the crops. The hard work pays off. And as I, as I prepared for this message and I had my, all my notes, I had things gathered up. Usually I make a Word document and I compile all my thoughts and then I put together a PowerPoint. Well, this, this week's a little bit different. This, this time's a little bit different because um, of the way God worked in my life in preparing for this message. That's why we only have one slide today because that's, that's the most important thing. The most important thing to remember here is that your, your enduring hardship is necessary for God preparing you. 
and me as well. This is my lesson that I've learned, and I'm sharing with you my life lesson. Um, but last week, I was in contact with an old friend, and by old, I mean he's old. Terry, if you're watching, hello. <laughs> um, but he asked me for um, some prints. He came to the uh, Harvest Festival back in 2022, and he left without getting his prints of him and his wife sitting in front of the, the backdrop. So I've had them for, since 2022, and he called me last week and asked me for those prints. And I said, Larry, they've been in my Jeep. They're all crinkled up. I'm going to have to reprint them. Um, but, and I, I forgot to reprint them anyways. But he invited me to a breakfast yesterday morning, a men's breakfast. Um, and it was out at what's called the Moody Barn over on the west side of town. And I'd never been there before, but I tell you what, it was such a blessing, and I'm glad I went. Um, not only was um, not only was it good to catch up with Terry, um, even though I had to get up at the crack of dawn, and not only was it good to catch up with him, but also had a terrific breakfast, some of the best biscuits and sausage gravy I've ever had in my life. And I'm telling you right now, oh my goodness, that right there was worth getting up at the crack of dawn for. But the best thing, the best part of it was God really spoke to me at this men's meeting yesterday. And and I had all my notes and I had all my stuff ready to compile together, but most of what I'm going to share with you from now on came from yesterday morning and the message that God spoke to me. Um, <clears throat> everybody here believe in Romans 8.28? God will use everything for our good? He does. He absolutely does. Every little thing. As a programmer in software, you can have 1,500 lines of code, and if one little period is out of place it will break the entire program and it will not run and God is down to the detail of the dots in our lives where he will use every little dot for our good every little thing you know I thought I was going to meet up with my friend Terry yesterday have a good breakfast and and just chat it up with him but God had other plans God had other plans down to the dots the details of my life and and, and that's what he did God spoke loud and clear through a man named Tommy Mallard, who is the former pastor of Promised Land Church. He spoke at this men's meeting yesterday. And he spoke on something that God had already been working on me through the lesson of this word endure. But everything that this man said yesterday just solidified it to me that, wow, God, you are absolutely so good. And all this, although this scripture not, was not in our weekly reading, it was certainly already in my notes. Philippians 1.29 says, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. And when we think about that, we think about, oh yeah, suffering Christ's persecution. Not necessarily. There's things that we're going to suffer in life, just in life in general about. But if you believe that God uses everything for our good, even down to the smallest dot, suffering simply for something that's non-Christian related, God has a purpose for even that in our lives. And sometimes that's what the suffering we go through. Pastor Tommy spoke on something yesterday his main theme of his message was response over reaction. That the training in the wilderness 
that God takes us through provides the ability to endure the things and be prepared for what God has purposed us for. Let me read, let me say that again. The training in the wilderness that God takes us through provides the ability to endure things and be prepared for what God has purposed us for. God has purposed us for something in our lives, for sure. Absolutely. We know that without a doubt. What? We don't know. He knows. But the things we go through in life, they're preparing us for what he's purposed us for. But guess what? If we don't go through those things, we won't fulfill that purpose. <clears throat> you know, oftentimes, if you listen to the prayers of, of Christians, a lot of times, what do you hear? Pray for easy. Pray for the storm to stop. Pray for the suffering to end. We question God sometimes when we're going through hardships. We ask him, why, God? Why am I going through this? What's going on? What's happening to me? Oftentimes, though, we look at others going through hardships and we say, well, they must have done something wrong to go through that. Like Job's friends. Remember Job? Did Job do anything wrong? But a lot of times we're like Job's friends. Oh, you must have really done something to tick God off because you're going through it, buddy. But we don't think like that when it's our hardship going in our lives, do we? No. God, why? What did I do to deserve this, God? It's Pastor Jordan's favorite. It's not fair. <laughs> but what if God, in his sovereignty, has a reason and a purpose for that hardship? What if he has a reason and a purpose for the suffering that we have to go through? Job didn't do anything wrong. Job, did, did Job deserve what he went through? Was it fair what Job went through? No. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, hardship often prepares an ordinary person for an extraordinary destiny. God has an extraordinary destiny for each one of us here. But we have to go through that hardship of preparation. Preparation is, is what our hardships are all about. If we can gain this perspective, if I could have gained this perspective six years ago when I started going through this, what I call the circle of stupidity, and I'll explain that to you further in a minute. Brother Robert calls it the hamster wheel of stupidity, I think, right? Don't you call it? Yeah. <clears throat> but preparation, that's exactly what all of our hardship is all about in our life. When it comes to the kingdom of God and you have become a born-again Christian, you're definitely going to go through hardships, but there's three things to keep in mind when you go through these hardships. Every hardship that we go through, number one, has to be allowed by God to enter our lives. So if we're going through something, it's not like, oh, well, God's up there going, oh, I didn't, I didn't plan for that. Sorry, you're on your own. No. God had to allow that hardship to enter into our life. And then the second thing that we can be assured of going through that hardship is that God has a purpose for us to prepare us for something else better that's ahead. We don't know what that is. Our headlights don't reach that far. When you're driving a car at night, you can only see so far with the headlights. You don't need to see the end of the road. But God has a purpose. The third thing is, as I promised, as God promises in Romans 8, 28, he promises to work it for our good and his glory. 
So whatever we're going through, these, these, thing, these three things, excuse me, they have to be allowed by God. It has a purpose from God to prepare us, and it will be for our good. You can count on those things. And in preparation, as I said, preparation is the key to everything, to the hardships of our lives. Pastor Tommy gave an, an illustration yesterday. I was like, wow, that is so good. I'm using it. He gave this illustration of pilots. Now, I know in JSO, the, the officers have to go through weapons training every periodically. I don't remember how often it is, but they have to be able to pass a firearms uh, exam, meet certain criteria. They have to do, uh, I don't know about the health thing. Right, Brother Robert? One, one health thing. But I know they have to have continued training on their firearms. <clears throat> and Pastor Tommy gave an illustration of pilots doing the same thing. Pilots have to go through periodic training. Um, they have to go through a simulation of anything that could possibly go wrong on an airplane during flight. And they do that, why? They do that so that they can prepare for if it does really happen in real life so that they can respond properly rather than just react panically, okay? That's, that's the key here, that's the key. And he gave this illustration of pilots going through uh, training and he says, he's on a plane. And I forget where he said they were flying, but he said he was on this plane and it was a short runway. And he said at the end of the runway, it was like a drop off, it was a cliff. And he said, they're on this plane and all of a sudden there's this loud boom. I woke y'all up, didn't I? <laughs> gotcha. Loud boom. And he said the plane starts shaking violently. He said, not like regular turbulence. It's like, it's like shaking violently. He said people started, women started screaming, children started crying. It became a panic moment for people, the passengers there. And he said, finally, it smoothed out, settled down. And then the pilot comes on all calm, cool, and collected. Uh, this is your pilot. You may have experienced a little noise and some little turbulence. The engine went out, but we brought it back, and we're heading to our destination. And he's sitting there going, the, the main engine just went out. But the pilot knew what to do. Why? He was prepared. And he responded properly because of the training that he received. And they made it to their destination without going off the cliff. But think about that for a second. There were two types of people on that plane. There were those who reacted to the situation, and there were those who responded properly to the situation. Those who responded properly had to go through training. They had to experience whatever catastrophe could possibly have happened through the simulation training. The wilderness hardship in our life is that preparation training. It's a time of hardship and it's a time of suffering. But look at it like this. Let me give you a different perspective. Moses fled to the wilderness after he killed the Egyptian. Do you remember that in the story? Okay. He was there for 40 years. And I've always heard that God had to strip Moses of himself before God could use him for the purpose that he had. What was the purpose God had for Moses? Get the people out of Egypt. Bring them to the promised land, right? Okay, remember, Moses killed one man with his hands when he saw the Egyptian mistreatment. Took, took God 40 years to strip Moses of himself so he could use him. Now, what happened when God led them out of Egypt to the Red Sea? What happened? 
All the, all the Israelites made it through on dry land, but then what happened to the Egyptian army? They drowned. How many of them? All of them. How many Egyptians died at the hand of God versus Moses' own strength? Do you see how much greater God can defeat our enemies than we can? But God had to take Moses through the wilderness to get him there to that point where Moses was completely reliant and dependent upon God to do that. Because we see what Moses did in his own strength. He could only take out one enemy. But God took out many enemies. God's strength is greater than our strength. Amen? John the Baptist, his entire ministry, he was strengthened by preaching in the wilderness. People traveled from all over just to hear him go in the wilderness and be baptized and preach. Jesus began his ministry only after being led in the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And what happened while Jesus was in the wilderness? He was tempted and he was tested. We can see through the Bible, all throughout the Bible, that this is a very visible pattern that God uses to prepare and strengthen his people for his purposes to accomplish his goals. But guess what? He wants to do it through us because that's our destiny. He wants to do that through us. We're going to go through the wilderness first. If Jesus went into the wilderness, the Bible says the servant is not greater than the master. Who here is a servant of God? We are servants of Jesus if you've been born again and saved. So therefore, we're not greater than our master. So therefore, we can go, we are going to go through the wilderness. If we've ever asked God to use us, and I pray that you have asked God to use you, you can rest assured you're going to go through a wilderness of preparation. As I learned the hard way, we're going to go through a wilderness of preparation. But if we're like the Israelites, and here's my hard lesson, who by example show us that complaining, murmuring, doing things our own way will cause us to be trapped in a lifetime of what I call the circle of stupidity. Why do I call it the circle of stupidity? Because the Israelites had just a a little over a, a couple of weeks travel from Egypt to the promised land. But how long were they in that wilderness? 40 years going in a circle, repeating the same stupid things over and over and over again, the circle of stupidity. And that's what God showed me I was doing in my life. Circle of stupidity. Each job. And when I got when I got that word in August, God pretty much impressed on my heart, you're going to endure one way or the other. <laughs> Whatever job I go to, wherever I'm at, there's going to be somebody else who treats me unjustly or, un, or, or you know is mean to me or whatever speaks down to me. There's going to be someone else. I'm going to endure, God said. <laughs> one way or another. But but here's the thing, y'all. I could continue that cycle. I could continue. I could, I could go, the next person who treats me wrongly, I could say, that's it, I'm out of here. I don't have to deal with that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm 48 years old. I don't need to put up with that. No, I'm, you know, I don't have to deal with that. I'm out. I can do that again. But guess what? It's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. It'll keep happening continually over and over. That's why I call it the circle of stupidity. But here's something else God showed me. That's exactly where the enemy wants us. 
He wants us trapped in that circle of stupidity. Why? He wants us stuck in the wilderness of preparation our entire lifetime because we will not be fulfilling our God-designed destiny while we're stuck in that circle of stupidity. Let me say that again because I don't think y'all heard it. The enemy wants us to stay in the wilderness of preparation our entire lifetime because we're not fulfilling our God-designed destiny while we're stuck in that circle of stupidity. We're focused on ourselves. We're not fully trusting on God. We're not leaning on his understanding. We're, we're leaning on our own understanding as, we, as, the, as the word that uh, proverb that Micah gave this morning. And this blew my mind when God showed it to me because I felt like for the last six years of my life, yeah, I've been kind of stagnant in Christ. Well, I wonder why. Here I am. Could have had a V8. For you young guys, for you young ladies, I'm going to tell you now. If you start seeing patterns in your life, go to God right away. Don't, don't waste it away. Don't get stuck in the circle of stupidity like I did. And thank God. You can learn a lesson from me. You don't have to go through the circle of stupidity. And, and hopefully, God willing, I don't go through that circle again. If y'all see me go through the circle, please somebody say something to me. Please. Okay. Please. If you have friends and you see them going through circles of stupidity, say something to them. They may not see it. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I didn't see it in my own life. But think about this, y'all, with the circle of stupidity. And I know I'm a little bit long-winded, but that's okay. It's Brother Curtis's fault. You get stuck in the circle of stupidity. You can waste your entire life repeating those same mistakes. And I'm not saying you're going to go to hell for it. But listen, you won't fulfill God's purpose. You won't fulfill the purpose that God has for you because it's a distraction. And listen, listen to this. If, if nothing else hits you, let this hit you right in your heart. Imagine, because 10 out of 10 of us are going to die. We're all going to stand before Jesus one day. Now imagine the day we stand before Jesus, how great that's going to be. He's, he's, got, he's there with his arms out. Well done, my, my good and faithful servant. Come on, enter into your rest. Here you are. You're happy. He's happy. You embrace. You're there. And then he takes you by your shoulders and he says, oh, I love you so much, but I had so much more for you in your life on earth. I wanted to do so much through you. I had so many great things planned and purposed for you, but you wouldn't let me prepare you. You wouldn't allow me to build you up, strengthen you, prepare you for what I had planned. Whew. That hurt. That hurt. Imagine Jesus saying that. Like I said, this, this word stings. It hurts because that's my life. Don't go through the circle of stupidity. Charles Spurgeon and called the musicians up. I'll try not to cry like a little girl here. <laughs> but it, it, it does, it hits my heart because what God spoke he has so much for us he says so much he wants to do through us but he's got to prepare us he 
only way he'll prepare us is through that wilderness of hardship. Charles Spurgeon, we want to be great for God. Charles Spurgeon said men will never be great in theology until they are great in suffering. We won't be great for God unless we go through that wilderness and endure. It's not a matter of just going through it because you can go through it and then repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. But we've got to endure what God's teaching us and training us up for. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, God, we thank you, Lord, that you are faithful to us. Lord, your mercy, Lord God, as it said in Psalm 30, as we read this week, Lord, you turn our sorrow into joy, into gladness, Lord God. Lord, you use the hard things, Lord, to change us, to challenge us, to mold us, to teach us, Lord God, and most importantly, to prepare us for what you have for us. Lord, we want to fulfill what you have purposed, Lord, for us in our lives. Lord, my prayer here is, Lord God, that everyone will yield. Every one of us, Lord God, will yield to your preparation, Lord God, to your training, Lord God. Let us see it, Lord. Don't let us be blind to it, Lord God. Don't let us get caught up on ourselves, Lord God, and get caught in that circle. Lord, show us, Lord, the areas, Lord. Let us reveal, Lord God, reveal to us the patterns in our lives, Lord God, areas where we are leaning on our own strength, doing things our way, Lord God, and not yielding to you and your spirit. Lord, forgive us and change us, Lord, and use us, Lord God, for your glory. It's in your name we pray, amen.